All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Back Podcast. We are your host. I am Marcus Conan Negron, and beside me, as always, is Ben the Jet Rets. Ben, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's a rainy day in Sacramento right now, and uh, rain is my favorite weather, so nice. I'm feeling pretty good. Got it. That's great. Um, so. We have a lot to break down this week, and before we get into it, please, if you uh, want to watch us on video, go ahead and follow us on YouTube. We have a whole link for the Behind the Back podcast. Our link is in the description below, but as if you want to keep listening to us on audio, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, you can catch us there. So let's get into the main deal today. We're going to break down the week that has happened for the Sacramento Kings. We're recording on Saturday. It's a little later than we normally would have. Our week was kind of hectic, so we kind of had to adjust for it. But it worked out great because the last game of the week was last night against Minnesota. But let's backtrack a bit and kind of just discuss the up and down week that this one was for the Sacramento Kings. So we went 2-2, two and two, and our first win came against the Clippers on ESPN. And there was a lot of good and bad from that game. And I guess from the Sacramento fan perspective of things, some people would say the ESPN broadcasting was bad. I think from with Bob Myers, I forgot the lady who he was with. I like the lady. She was nice. I think her name is Beth. But Bob Myers, you could definitely tell the Warriors fandom was involved in that one. Um, but I liked what we, you know, we really needed to, start this week off strong and we were you know we hadn't beat the clippers yet this year so we really needed to kind of shake that monkey off so what what did you really like if there were some takeaways from the clippers game anything that stood out to you honestly like the biggest thing for me in that game was just the intensity that um that the kings brought to the game um i felt like from <clears throat> from kind of the beginning to the end they brought a playoff level intensity which is something that we kind of need to see in the last, you know, 20, <clears throat> 25, 27 games now, like this team just needs to be aggressive night in and night out. And you have to be hungry for a win, no matter the team you're playing, because you're not locked in a position at any point. Like you're battling with a bunch of teams for not just a playoff spot, but a play in spot at this point, you know, like in terms of just having home, home court advantage for those games. So um, I really like the intensity they brought there. Um, and it, it was promising. It made me feel like, especially considering we beat the Spurs coming out of the break, like, okay, we're rolling in a way, like, we just beat the Clippers, let's take our efforts to the next game and see what happens, and so overall, that game, like, it was a good one, it was fun to watch, too. Yeah, I agree, I think that was a good, uh, like, a good step-up game for our All-Stars, like, Foxy obviously had a really good game, he seemed in control the whole time he kind of had his imprint on the game was getting in James Harden's way. I think they didn't have Paul George, but again, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think that takes anything away from the loss because this has been the reality is this might be a version of the Clippers that even if we don't play them in the playoffs, they're going to end up playing most likely. I don't, I doubt their whole team's actually going to be healthy in a seven game series. And that's always going to be the, the issue that they have to fight off. So we took that, we forced Kawhi to just be the only one to kind of do anything. And I think it really worked out. They weren't hitting their threes and we were, we were doing a good job blitzing them and just kind of mucking things up a bit. So. Yeah. And I, I just, I really liked the star production we got from Domas and Deer and like Domas having 17 points, 12 assists, 15 rebounds, and then Foxy following it with 33 points and seven assists. Like that's the kind of stat line you need from, 
from your star players at a point like this in a game like this. So that was that was really good to see, see especially considering Malik on 28 minutes was kind of struggling in this one. Like it wasn't like last year's matchup almost exactly a year to date where it was 177 to 175 or whatever. Right. Like I think Malik in that game had like 42 and Foxy had 43. Um, but in this one, Monk only had 12 points. And one thing like we talked about before on and off the pod is if Malik's not having a good game, it's tough for the Kings right now to find a win. Like, especially if neither, either De'Aaron or uh, Domas are are struggling in that game. Like Mm -hmm. if one of those two is struggling, we need the big game from Malik. So it was really good to see the, the two stars pop off. Yeah, I think, and another thing, like we mentioned, when it wasn't Malik, fortunately, Kevin and HB had a really good game. Um, they they stepped up and made some big plays. I had Keegan offensively, he wasn't making the biggest spark, but his job was to guard Kawhi most of the game, and I think he did a really good job of just, I think the team in general did a really good job defending in this one, and you could tell the intensity was there. The, the refs, I think, did a decent job for most of the game. Um and it was there was the the turning point of the game i i felt and i texted you guys about this was once foxy got teed up and i believe it was it was in the second half and fox got fouled or got called for a foul on james harden while defending him and he flung his arms and kind of upset they teed him up right away and which is funny because you know bob myers on the broadcast said oh that's an automatic technical and i'm wondering like we see that in a lot of games, and it's it's not actually as automatic as it seems. It's just interesting to me. But might have been what Foxy said at the same time. Who knows? But after that moment, Foxy took it personally, and it seemed like we've seen this sometimes throughout his career where he gets upset, like visibly upset, almost like Russell Westbrook-esque, and he just takes over the game. And after that, Foxy makes a couple good buckets. He's locking down James Harden on two straight possessions. One was a steal. The other was a jump ball, and you're just watching him pump his chest and just get really into it and that's again what you want to see from your leader um it's nice seeing fox that way sometimes because he doesn't always get that way and i think as he he picks and chooses the level of intensity and based off of the importance of the game i think it's national tv he's on it like he felt like he had to show out a little more this game and that kind of thing is promising from from a point of making the playoffs because you then can trust that fox is going to show up for all either four or seven games, you know, like um, he's going to bring that intensity through every game at that point. It mm-hmm. is, it is kind of frustrating from a fan perspective. Cause you're like, <laughs> why can't you just do this night in and night out? You'd be one of the best players in the league every night if you did that. But I, I do kind of get it. You're conserving your body. You're conserving your energy. Like it's a, it's kind of a, a medium point, you know, but I get it. Yeah. You have to figure it out. And I think he's getting better, especially now that the Kings are progressing more and more. He's learning how to keep his body ready and pick and choose when to go all out on the way to the playoffs before we get to the playoffs. And then he just turns up. So I, and again, Domas and Foxy did a great job. And then on Domas's end, I knew that Zubac was going to be a tough matchup. And early on, he Domas was just having trouble hitting some bunnies. He missed some easy ones. Like, it was bad. I didn't think that was so much Zubac. I think that was more Domas just kind of missing some easy ones. But the offense still was running really well. And I think the funny commentary that was mentioned was, 
with Bob Myers was when Bob was mentioning Domas and they're like, oh, this team runs through him, right? And then after in the fourth quarter when they took Fox out, he was and Domas was in, he was like, oh, well, what now they took Fox out? So what's going to happen with the offense? Who's going to who's going to get uh, who's going to score? And I thought that was hilarious because it's Malik and Domas in a two man game and they were just they took over at the end there and Fox yeah. didn't even have to come back in. Um, to finish because I know at the time Fox was rolling and we were kind of nervous about it. We were like, oh, why are you taking Fox out now? Like he's cooking. You should probably let him do it. And it ended up we ended up not needing him the rest of the way. So at the end of the day, I thought, again, that, just, that was just a good collective team effort defensively especially to hold that team because you could tell with James Harden he settled like once kind of Foxy was getting in his grill and early on his shots weren't going down James Harden was checked out like he just didn't seem like he wanted anything to do with it so I thought a big key was that we played physical and when when the Kings choose to play physical consistently we get in these teams heads because they're not yeah. expecting us to be physical and it's just interesting um, we'll talk about that later on as for you know the other victory, but that's something with the Clippers game that I really liked that they came out and I was like, if they if this is the version we get in the playoffs, we can hang with any team. So, yeah, I um my last point on this game is um, Harrison Barnes ended the game with twenty two points on thirty six minutes. I good night. It's it was a great night for him, and there's a part of me that feels. I think Mike Brown has said before, like they don't draw up plays for Harrison. Right. And, and sometimes I watch these games where Harrison gets some, some ISO plays where he's just backing someone down in the post or it's a, you know, kick out to the corner and he's wide open. Like he puts himself in great spots. Um, I feel like there comes points in the game where we should be leaning on Harrison Barnes a little bit more. and he can he can get a bucket like he he's always kind of done that throughout his career when he was in golden state he was leaned on more than he is on this team um to go and get a bucket when you know Steph or Clay were either out of the game or they were being guarded and double teamed you know what i mean like he was definitely i wouldn't say the third option but he was close to it at times right and so I I see games like this where he has 22 points, plays 36 minutes, and is just a, a consistent option for us. And I'm like, why why don't we draw plays for him more? But then I remember kind of his age and the role that he has on this team, and and I I realize the two man game that Malik and Domas run it it makes sense for him to be that option out on on the corners, you know, because what better way to set yourself up and set your team up for success than to plant yourself in a corner and let two of the better players on, on the court with you at the same time, run a two man game and figure out, navigate the next best option. So I, I was happy to see Harrison get involved in this game. Um, he got us some timely buckets, um, ended some runs that the Clippers were on and at least got us, you know, slowed the bleeding at times. So, Awesome to see, and I feel like coming out of the All Star break, he's been a little more consistent. So I'm I'm hoping to see that down the stretch too. Yeah, agreed. And I think HB, like you mentioned, it's he's gotten to the role and to the point of his career where he he kind of knows when the team needs a bucket, when they need him to just kind of oh hey drive to the rim this possession and see if you can get something. If you're the one who can create in the last, if he he if he gets the ball with five seconds to go in the shot clock, he is not he's someone who can create for himself in a pinch. So I do think that 
I'm okay with that being his role. And if he's hitting his threes, then he's even more valuable. And that's the, you know, that's all we can really ask for for Harrison at this point. And we just need him to continue to stay as consistent as he can defensively. Obviously, at his age, he can't keep up the way he used to. Um, but in a game like the Clippers, he did a really good job. So I was happy with him. Kevin did a good job shooting the ball in this one, too. So I just think the effort collectively was there. And that's what that was a big difference um, for us to win this game. Yeah. So. Good night there. Um, got a good dub in LA. We took our efforts then um, back down I-5 and came back home the next night against the Heat. Now, that game was a little bit of a different story. Um, what was the story in that one, Marcos? So, as the Kings historically recently have been struggling with, um, we have this slight issue where we played down to the level of our opponent. And I'm not saying that the Heat are a bad team at all. The Heat are a good team. They were in the finals last year. But the version of the Heat that we were given that night um, on Monday was without Jimmy Butler, without Tyler Hero, without Thomas Bryant, without a lot of their guys due to the mixture of injuries and suspension. Like Terry Rozier was out as well. Josh Richardson was out. Guys who, who you know, helped beat us last time were out. And it was just Bam, Duncan Robinson, Jaime Hawkins Jr., and, you know, Highsmith, like a couple of these other guys. And it was up to them to you know, bring the effort. So we were playing their B team. And as the Kings like to do against B teams is deliver a, you know, a D plus effort. So yeah. it just, I, from this one, it was just, it was frustrating because it just felt like, and obviously back to back, that's still not an excuse in the NBA level. Like we were better. Like we're in a, we were in a better position. We had our healthy team to get ready to go. And it just, the heat came out and played with the effort that made them a championship team. Like they just, they are known to play like that and guys step up. I think Jaime Hawkins did a really good job. You know, that rookie's got some game. He's going to be, he's going to be yeah. a very consistent player in this league. Very Keegan-esque in terms of just kind of like his role on the team. He's, he's, I think he's a little bit more of a, they've given him more of a green light dynamic shooter, like create from the post type thing. That was always his game in college. Um, and he was awesome. And Bam obviously did a really good job. Domas, he got a triple double in this one too, didn't he? Because it was, or he was, yeah. he got another double double or a triple double. I wasn't entirely he a, sure. He got but, a triple double. Yeah, he had fourteen yeah. points, ten assists, fourteen rebounds on forty it, minutes. It just felt inconsistent. Like Bam did yeah. a good job of just giving him the works. And obviously in this game, Fox um, messed up his knee. Uh, him and Jaime ran into each other, so it was a left knee contusion that's kept him out these past couple games here and but he played through it and um again it, it, Keegan had a good night too like that, this was a good Keegan game but again it just felt like I don't know if it was a mixture of just being worn out or we just we got down big and then we waited to get down big to make a move and we got close yeah. but it just never felt like we were in it I you know I I can live with Jaime Hawkins and Bam kind of torching us for a game, um, especially if we have a little bit more production from our stars. Obviously, it was a rough night for Domas, um, and Foxy was was on and off, but ultimately ended the game pretty well. Um, but what really bugged me about the eight-man rotation that the Heat had going, basically, um, was that Kevin Love on 15 minutes had 19 points. And he was, you know, I talked about in the in – the Clippers game about Harrison Barnes getting timely buckets 
and stopping runs. Like Kevin Love was that version of HB against us in this one. Like yeah. he, every every run that we had to try and get back into a game, we'd go on a little 8-0 streak. Kevin Love would make another timely bucket. And it just seemed like, it seemed like we almost forgot that, you know, this vet kind of still knows how to play a game. You know, he, know, he knows how to play ball. Yeah. And um, it's upsetting from that regard because when you look at, the guy on the other side of it you're like this should be an easy matchup you should be working him all all game long so it it does seem like the kings not only do they struggle with inconsistently being ready to go game in and game out against whoever's on the other side they also struggle to guard other players separate from the stars it's like it's like they game plan decently well for whoever the stars are on the other team, but they completely forget about the role players or even the bench players. Mm -hmm. It's, it just seems like for years now, not just this year, last year, like it seems like for a long time, we've been beat by not just the stars of other teams, but by somebody you shouldn't know their name. And it seems like I've learned so many names just off of them torching the Kings. And that, that is frustrating from, from this perspective, because like you do a good job in certain games shutting these big names down, but you also have to find ways to stop the other production players. And that's, that's where I think this team struggles the most. And that's bringing that consistency. Yeah. It's, it's the over, the overall defense was a problem. And I thought, and it's just an effort thing. And we, it seemed like once we got down big, it was kind of, we're going to live and die by the three. And we caught up by, using the three and being aggressive. And I just, again, it's that inconsistency. I, not, you know, honestly, I thought going into this, I was like, if there was any game we were actually going to lose, like, you know, what we thought we were going to win and we're going to lose, it was going to be this one. Given the fact that everyone was out back to back, I was just like, I would not be surprised if we lost this one and then won the other two. And, you know, I just, that was almost like the equivalent of like a trap game, but yep. This one was disappointing because, you know, we came off a good win. We had the fifth spot um, at that point. And after that, we're right back at seventh. And uh, we really needed then we really needed to. It felt like if we wanted a three in one week, that was the one that we needed to win for sure. And it just didn't work out. Didn't work out that way. Um, And then if we when we move on to the Denver game and it felt like all systems were a go, we came out hot got a 15 point lead and then in a matter of four minutes all of a sudden it's the it was the denver show they took over jamal and joker were destroying us and it and it just that one it felt like it almost felt like like we gave up for a second you know we tried and we weren't totally out of it the whole time and but it was keegan got going right away and i think after that it's like they stopped going to him and it was really weird and I think yeah. the Kings, I think the Kings do that sometimes. I think that's a, that's a system issue. I think that with all these guys who can score, but when there's that many mouths to feed in this style of offense, it's, it's tough for certain players, not named Keegan or Dom, or De'Aaron or Domas to develop a rhythm. And I, and that's where I see Keegan kind of get lost in the fold sometimes because the game where he exploded, it was like, we're giving the ball to Keegan and you just do what you want with it. And yeah. he doesn't get very many chances to have those kind of games. And I think that's still a product of the role he's being asked to play with him being the main defender on this team. 
And I don't think that's a level of development that we're, you know, that's something that us as fans were, weren't anticipating yet. Like we weren't sure exactly how much better Keegan was going to go. What was the next step Keegan had to take? Um, and I thought that I knew that his offense after we, after he started off as kind of the main defender during the season, I was like at the beginning of the season, I was like, this is going to be Keegan's role this year. And next mm-hmm. year or the year after, I think he's really when we're going to start seeing him get used to it and just be able to kind of create his own more consistently. And, but in this game, it just felt like we needed him to kind of go. De'Aaron wasn't in this game and some, we need more consistency out of players, not named De'Aaron. And usually that could be Malik. Um, and I think something we'll talk about later is that, you know, Davion was the starter in this one. And most recently when De'Aaron was out, Keon Ellis was the starter. And when, at least in the ones that we were winning, when De'Aaron was out, Keon kind of was the starter and, in this one, it just never felt like we could get anything going after they went on their run. After they went on their run, it was kind of over. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that was kind of the thing is when when we started this game against Denver, we opened it up kind of like we were Miami. You know, we it was very much so a yeah, we're missing our star player, but we're a team and we're we still know we're damn good. Like we're gonna bring our all, and they opened up ended the first quarter with a seven point lead. And then throughout the second quarter, we're doing really well up until I think about with like five or four or five minutes left in the second quarter, when we started letting Denver go on like a 30 something to like five run. It was, it was insane. Yeah. It was this massive run that just completely blew us out of the water. Like we were down by, um, what was it like 10 or something like that mm-hmm. at half by so half, we down yeah. 10 at half. Yeah. And then quick. third quarter, you, you kind of, at that point, you've got to go into half and be like, all right, it's a new ball game. We know we have some ground to make up, but let's go like get, let's go try and take control of this game and get back in it. And they did the complete opposite. And yeah. Denver looked like the team that was Miami and they had all their guys ready to go. And this was the first time this season, I think that we've seen a full Denver squad. So yeah. That was that was also something to kind of consider as we start talking about playoff matchups and stuff. But um but yeah, then Denver has a thirty-five point third quarter and we have a seventeen point third quarter. And that was just where this game was over at that point. There was there was a play where Aaron Gordon got this like wide open dunk with oh, yeah, like he three just kings right by him. <laughs> yeah, with like three kings right there. And that was the point I was like, Yeah, they like they don't they don't want to finish this game. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I didn't, I, I guess, fortunately didn't get to watch most of this game. Um, but just the little highlights that I saw and then some snippets here and there, it was just super frustrating to see kind of the lack of effort. And I know Mike Brown has talked about how this, this Kings team, they won't give up. I mean, shoot, they came back from a big, um, a big deficit this year. We've seen them do it a couple of times and they've come up short a couple of times, but they've also won. And so, like you know that this team doesn't necessarily give up, but when you see that kind of stuff happen, you're you get this sense of like it almost feels like there's no return, you know. And obviously, no matter the points, a loss is a loss. Like you lose by two points, one point, you lose by forty, it's still one loss. But you gotta really like every win and every loss means so much more at this point in the season, as we all know. And getting blown out does feel a little 
more frustrating at this point in the season, especially against these teams that you could see in a four to seven game series later. Like, yeah. So that was that was unfortunate to see, especially because we were so confident against Denver. We we were running them this season. Right. And Foxy being out was a huge deal. And Absolutely. I, think, I think that had an impact. I think him like Jamal had an easy game and it was it yeah. at least it felt like it. He was hitting everything. He was making tough shots and, you know, good Jamal game. And I know that playoff Jamal is a totally real thing. And that would be an interesting matchup in that sense. But playoff Foxy could end up being a real thing if he's given the opportunity because we saw last year yeah. how he elevated. Um, but I wasn't, you know, at that for that game in particular, I kind of figured that after Fox was out, I was like, this is going to be a tough one to win, especially like no team wants to get swept. And especially a championship team like they they know they, and they have been waking up since the All-Star break as well. They were I think they're still undefeated since the All-Star break. And it's it's. um that's just how it goes for these teams who have been there and done that. And that's part of the expectation, especially when you have the MVP on your roster. So right. I thought, and I thought a funny little takeaway from this was, you know, Sabonis continued his streak in this game, even though it seemed like going into the fourth quarter, he was at 13 and nine. He'd gotten hit in the face by his own teammate and by Mason Jones. And you wonder if like, ah, oh, if he's going to come back in and, you know, some of some, you know, fan bases would the Denver fan base kind of came out the Kings one and said, "Oh, you're letting Sabonis come in and stat pad and get, you know, his uh, streak going." But at the same time, Jamal Murray played the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter, right. and I'm like, "Okay, so you're just letting your superstar <laughs> point guard who could also get hurt play the whole fourth, you know, whatever." So I just yeah. think it's funny the you know the standards you know that teams like to hold. Screw it, like. If we were going to get anything, let's get Domas the streak. It's just one rebound. It's not like he was chasing, like, you know, four assists or something like that where it was a little unnecessary. But, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. You know, one last, like, frustrating thing about this game, too, and it kind of goes back to, uh, I guess it leads into this game, but it goes mm -hmm. back a ways, is the fluctuations of minutes on this team, specifically in this regard, Keon Ellis. Um, you and I have talked about how much we like Keon. Like, we love what he brings on a defensive end. We love, we like what he brings on the offensive end. He's not like an offensive threat per se. Yeah, but he's a yet. little more of, of a liability for an opposing defense um, than Davion Mitchell per se, right? Like, it's, I guess, from a consistency standpoint, you see... Keon versus Davion, and you're probably going to close out on Keon a little bit more than you would on Davion. Mm -hmm. So, from that regard, I guess, like for me, like I'm frustrated because I see Keon get shelved top shelf for, I guess, like four or five games in a row. And then he'll play like eight minutes in garbage time. And then he'll play like, you know, if Foxy goes out or someone's out or whatever the situation, he'll play like 20 plus minutes. And it's hard. I, I feel like I, I kind of want to see Keon get like a run of 20 games straight of consistent, right. at least 15 minutes to just kind of find, find an NBA rhythm and see what he can bring to this team because he's got more length than Davion. I still think Davion's a better defender, but he doesn't have the respect of, of the referees yet just as an NBA player. And so he doesn't get a lot right. of those defensive calls. Like he gets calls against him that probably aren't calls for other people. And yeah. so from that regard, like 
I would bank on Keon just because he can bring a physical aspect to it a little bit better than Davion and not get certain calls because he can just, you know, put his body into things a little bit more. Yeah. So I feel like there's certain matchups and certain games where it makes a little more sense for Keon to be out there than Davion. But I, I don't know if it's a veteran because you can, you can't call Davion a veteran, but he has more experience in the NBA than Keon. You know, he, he's been a part of this system for a little bit longer I guess Mike Brown kind of trusts Davion a little bit more in that regard, but even Davion's Mitchell, Davion's minutes fluctuate like crazy. And so yeah. I kind of just want Mike to make a decision, like run with one or the other. And I would rather it be Keon. I don't know. I don't know what your stance is. I have an idea, but yeah, I think, I think the, the obvious thing for the Keon versus Davion argument is I think defensively, I don't think it's that far of a gap with what they both have to offer. I think Davion is more shifty, player but Keon is it has more length and he offers more switchability and a little bit more versatility I think naturally Keon is a very good defender and mm-hmm. um if you're starting him at just the backup point guard or in this case you know and well and we'll talk about it in a second here and when he starts in place of De'Aaron you can tell the switchability is like is actually a little bit smoother and Davion can get picked on a little bit more often due to his size and I think that Keon is physical enough and he will contest enough. Like we saw this back in the in-season tournament when we were up against Oklahoma city without Fox and we started Keon and Keon was tasked with guarding SGA for the majority of the game. And he did a really good job on him. And I think that's just, that's, he's the kind of guy that you could see if you gave him more of a run and just let, allow him more in the defensive rotation, he can change the game that way. And there are times where he was building his confidence earlier in the season where he had a little run where he played like eight to 10 straight games and he was attempting more shots and trying to find his rhythm. And then you're on the bench for three weeks and it's like, what do you really do here? And, you know, we saw Duarte get hurt and now he's getting some minutes and I don't mind the size of it all. Like the, the concept is the same and he's more physical and he can handle that. But agreed, we need more of a rotation that's like kind of set in stone. I think early on in the season, it's not as big as a deal, but you're in the stretch run and you kind of need to figure out what matchups you're going to get in the playoffs. And if you have a guy who's good for most matchups, you might as well get him more minutes. Like Davion won't work in every matchup. It's been shown. And Keon has more of an ability to be matched up. If you pair him with Monk, where Monk is the primary ball handler and scorer, I mean, Keon's in most lineups has been pretty good this year. So I just, I do wish that we saw more of a run with Keon. And we and so we'll transition here. We did get that opportunity. He started in this game, uh, this last game that we saw last night, uh, overtime win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Keon was our starting point. And I like that right out of the gate, he just did a good job providing switchability because the defense to start this game was awesome. The Kings went on a really nice early for, uh, first quarter run. I think they were up 20 to four at one point. And they were just being physical. And again, this was the trait from the Clippers game that we really saw in this Minnesota game, which is why I believe, you know, the effort was just there all around. Everyone was being physical. They weren't like the Domas was really doing a good job of pestering Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns at the same time. Like Domas has, I think the, the narrative about Domas is kind of crazy because he's improving He's proving this year, I don't think the offensive rebound 
issue is going to be a thing in this postseason. I think if anything, he's creating that problem for other teams. Domas yeah. is fighting with everyone. He's there's. I don't think a Kevon Looney would get to him this year. I think it's a the way he he got stronger. He's understanding things a little bit more, playing the true center position. Because I also think that in his time in Indiana, he was playing the four. He was kind of the Carl Anthony Towns over there. Even though Miles right. Turner was the better shooter, but Domas had to, that. That was his first full season as a starting five, taking playing with the big boys the whole time. So I think now he's gotten used to it. And I think it, that's the reason he's the league leader in rebounds. Like, I think that for the second straight year now, when, or was he, he was, yeah. With, yeah, he led last year too. So, but he improved. So I think that it's, it's going to be a thing that when, if we watched him match up against a smaller big or a lighter big that you're going to see Domas kind of win that matchup based off of his physicality alone. So, yeah. And, you know, another thing too, is he has two hands now. You know, exactly. last year he had a oh. fractured, he had a fractured left thumb, which is his shooting hand and his dominant hand. And so he was being forced to his right hand a lot more. And that was when you can't use your dominant hand and everybody knows what hand you're going to go to at that point. Like it's, yeah, it's tough to, it's One-sided. tough to get your offense yeah. going and especially to come down with a board consistently. So, um, yeah, I feel like this season too, like I've seen, I talked about it last year, you know, just some, we didn't have the pod last year, but just some, you know, with you and, and Ryan, um, talked about how Domas, it just seems like he doesn't attack other bigs that he should as often as we want him to. And this year, um, you know, I look at matchups against like Zubox in this last matchup, um, this last time around, like he realized he's been struggling this year with Zubox. And he took it to him and he won that matchup. And yeah. we've, we talked about last episode, his crazy streak against, um, what was it? Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic and uh, Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah. And obviously now Jokic has, has gotten a game on him, but he's still, what was it like eight and one against now all yes. those guys now. So eight and one now. So you talk about that bringing it against the best centers, but you also got to bring it against the bad centers. and. And I think we've seen that from him this, you know, at this point, obviously talking about his 42 straight games of double doubles and leading the league in double doubles and triple doubles. Like you're seeing him pretty consistently dominate games. And that's something we didn't necessarily see last year. That's something we didn't see him do in the playoffs. And I agree with you. I think that this postseason is going to be a different story if we can get to a spot we want to be in. Um, and get a matchup that works really well for our team. Yeah. Um, I think Domas is going to put us in great positions to win. I don't think that offensive rebound, even defensive rebounds, is going to be an issue. Obviously, we'll reassess that depending right. on matchup. But, um, you know, I talked about last episode, too, how the Timberwolves, you know, we, we kind of broke down the schedule going forward. Um, the Timberwolves, when they have Carl Anthony Towns, it seems like we're the better team, and those were the games that we won against them. And then when Cat was out the last time around, they dominated us. And I think that there's an identity issue for the Timberwolves is even though they're the first seed in the West and they're playing damn good this season. Um, I do think when both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert are on the team on the floor together, there's a little bit of a identity issue for them. And they kind of don't they still are feeling out that whole scenario and situation there. Um but 
you know, Cat was in this game. Domas was in this game. Domas got the the upper hand of the both of them, and we won the game. So from that standpoint, like matching up against the Timberwolves, and I think it was, was it Jaden McDaniels said something interesting after the game? I don't know if you heard this. So they they asked him like, you know, about a potential scenario of playing the Kings in the playoffs. So Jaden McDaniels is a forward on the Timberwolves. And they asked him about potentially matching up with the Kings. And and he said, I'm not really that worried. I think we could beat them four straight games. And I laugh at that. Obviously, Jaden had a career night last night. Shout out to him. He played 45 minutes, 26 points, um, seven rebounds, and one assist. And that was a career high in points for him. Um, but it's it's funny to hear that because, you know, when I look at so far this season, we're 2-1 and one against the Timberwolves. I think we play them one more time. Is that right? No, I think we only get three. I, I think we get three against them, yeah. I think that was yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's right. So we've won the tiebreaker. Not that there is one, but we we won it, right? We won the mm-hmm. season matchup. And we've proven that even at your strongest Minnesota Timberwolves, we can beat you, and we're not our strongest right now. Yeah, this was without We're missing Fox. deer and fox, and you haven't seen deer and fox in the postseason. So I would say, you know, step on the brakes a little bit, Jaden. But I, I do like the competitive nature. You're probably feeling good. You're coming off career high. Your team's in first place in the West, obviously by a half game with OKC. But it's this is like the this is the time of the year where these teams show true identities, and I think mm-hmm. the Timberwolves are going to slide a little bit. I don't think they'll end first. I think they'll probably end second. Um, but, and obviously we'll talk about standings coming up, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good game and shout out to Malik Monk. So <laughs> Monk played 33 minutes. He had 39 points, four rebounds and four assists. Marcos, you, you texted Ryan and I, no, you texted our uh, Alex, our buddy yeah. Alex and I. And you, uh, you said something. I can't quite remember what it was. What, what did you say? So for, I guess for lack of a better term, I was like, Monk is playing like us right now. In the first half, he had four points, a couple turnovers. He was really sloppy and he was playing like us for lack of a better term. And I said that we need him to play better or we're not going to win this game. And second, lo and behold, the second half, he Heard, you know, he, you know, Mike Brown showed him my text and, you know, he got 35 <laughs> points in the second half. And that's where, again, it was, it, it further proves the point that, you know, sometimes, especially we had no Foxy, our offense in general was doing a good job. It was because our offense was being fueled by our energy on the defensive end. Everyone did a good job. And this is where Keon starting was great because early on Keon had like he had four steals in this game in general but he did a really good job just kind of running the offense and letting the guys do their thing and domos again did a good job just being a bully and we watched we watched in instances with monk in this second half where this is how if we were to get matched up with them in the playoffs how we could essentially play rudy gobert out of the game in the playoffs because there was instances especially when it was kind of ISO ball, but it was mainly just Malik running two man game with Trey and Domas and just running back and forth and just yeah. trying to get whatever open shot he could. It was his night. He was hot. But especially towards the end, it was like 117, 120. And, and Rudy wasn't, he's miscommunicated with Nas Reed and they were trying to like not understand these things because he's not used to guarding up top. And 
he was trying to sink back down and he just let monks monk get a wide open shot and it's just to tie it up and it was it's in these games where i'm like rudy is a non-factor yeah he'll get a board or two and maybe he'll get a good defensive block but we can spread the floor enough to give him a problem and when we go into overtime domas fouls out early in overtime and while we were without our superstar point guard and our superstar center if there's one narrative that has been proven is that Malik Monk in overtime is a certified winner in overtime like Malik Monk hit three buckets in overtime and he did miss two clutch free throws and free throws in this game like if there was one true negative in this game it was going 13 for 24 from the free throw line that's disgusting yeah. that's God, awful. terrible that's 55%. Like, even if we shot at 70%, we would have won that game in regulation. And that's, it's those kind of things that in the playoffs, that's what would kill us. It wouldn't, it like, mm, like that's, that was tough. Like, and I don't think this is, I don't think this is a fix, fixable issue. I think this is what the Kings are right now. And I don't know how they're going to fix that. Um, I don't even think the team knows how they're going to fix that. It's like, I don't even know if they dedicate one whole practice to just shooting free throws all day, if that would do anything, you know? So it's, yeah. it's frustrating, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Malik and the guys stepped up without both of their stars when it mattered most. And they did a good job and they still, and Anthony Edwards did leave halfway through this game and it wasn't an ankle injury. They said it was for personal reasons. So I don't know. Do you know? So yeah, he, uh, Let's just say congratulations, Anthony Edwards. He is now a father of his firstborn. Okay. So, so that's he left at halftime. He he wasn't – so I said they were playing at full strength, the Timberwolves. Mm. I did forget about that. Anthony did leave at halftime to go welcome his baby. baby Got it. Okay. Playing it for the first time, you know. But <laughs> um, but he wasn't necessarily playing amazing. Like no, he we wasn't going to be the good. reason why the Timberwolves win or lose. He wasn't. He wasn't a factor for them. The mm -hmm. Kings were doing a really good job of containing him and also forcing him to pass the wall. And that's something that teams have struggled with with Anthony Edwards because he is a star and he yeah. will be one of the faces of the league moving forward. So someone you got to pay attention to night in and night out. But congrats. I did not know. I wasn't sure when they yeah. said personal reasons. I'm like, it's either a death in the family or a birth <laughs> in the family. So it's one of those things. That's what he's like. We're first in the West. It's the Kings. I can go leave. <laughs> go right. I can't be no, but Hey, shout out to him. That's awesome. I'm glad it was cool. good news. Not bad news. That's, that's awesome. So, Definitely. but yeah, so he was gone in the second half and honestly, like Ben mentioned, we were being physical on him all game. So his presence was not really felt. They did a really good job of, aggravating him the whole game which was great um and again this this was a a gritty win and this was almost a must win in a vibes way for the kings oh, yeah. had we gone one and three this week this would have been tough we would have fallen to eighth i mean we were eighth to begin with but we would have fallen to we're still eighth but we would have fallen even further and the warriors and the lakers are coming so now all of a sudden so let's you know any final takeaways from this game before we transition over to just kind of the standings and, you know, what we're seeing in the upcoming weeks here? No, it was just, it was a really good win, um, much needed. And it's always, you know, I talked about it when we talked about the 17 home games and 10 away games, like any away game that you can get right now, it gives you a little bit more of a cushion at home. So yeah. um, really good to get a win on the road. Yeah. And we're also the um, only team so far this season to beat minnesota at home twice 
So, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So, I know so, they they have a really good home record. They're yeah. um, twenty two and seven at home. There this you year. go. Yeah, so we've beaten them twice. We're the only team to do that so far this year. So, it's just, cool. we're, we're not afraid of Minnesota. I you know so, but but that matchup probably won't happen unless it's in the second round because unless well I mean actually who knows well, because so let's get into the standings. We're gonna go over. We're not gonna go over like super far in advance, but mm-hmm. for this week the Kings play. The Bulls on Monday, the Lakers on Wednesday. So they have a back-to-back. They play San Antonio at home, and then they play the Rockets on Sunday. So with these next four games, they're all winnable, right? Like we've beaten the Bulls. It was a close game. And uh, the Lakers, that's a huge one. Even though we've had their number recently, still a huge game. We'll see if Domas can continue his streak versus Anthony Davis. And um, the Spurs gave us a good run for our money at home last time. Who knows what that strat will be. And we haven't beaten Houston yet this year because we lost them in that back-to-back early on. Um, so, but I think that we're in a better, we're better equipped to handle them this time, I think, with what we have. Um, how do you feel about this week in particular? What record do, do we need to have? Um, so you named one, two, three, four games. We need to be four now. <laughs> this is... This is the stretch of the season. You have not given yourself as a team in the standings any cushion, any room for error. And you are you have a great chance to come home, play three games at home, and one that's just down I-5, eight hours. And that's like, if there's a chance right now to flip the standings, flip your... Um, uh, you know, your what's the word I'm looking for? Your um like get rolling, you know what I mean? Like Oh, okay. If, if there's a Create chance a to really get going, yeah, and give yourself a little bit of cushion, like this is the chance to do it. Um and yeah, like especially a win against the Lakers, you know you know LA's gonna be ready to go. We know they're right behind us in the standings. Um and it's there's just so many must win games. And I'm looking at a little bit past this week. We won't necessarily break it down, but um, the next nine, 10 games are super winnable. Like I even, the hardest game we play will be the bucks. Yeah. And that one, we, in our last matchup, we just couldn't make our free throws. And if we made our free throws, Dame Lillard would have never hit that game winner on us. So there's, there's this is the chance to really put yourself in a position to excel and make a push at the playoffs. Not a play on playing spot. You're not trying to position yourself to play in. That at this point you need to believe you're a better team than the play in. And they are. They are. They haven't they haven't proved it. But you look at this team on paper, when you look at what this team is capable of when they're rolling, and this team should not be a play in team. Agreed. Like when I look at the NBA standings right now, from one to where we're at seven. We got the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Pelicans. I personally believe we're a better team than the Pelicans, even though we don't match up against them well. I still think that we're a better team than the Timberwolves, but they are the first the first seed in the West. Um the Suns, like it's pretty close, honestly. Like KD's still a star, but he's He's a little bit older. He's a vet. Like he's got to have a little bit less role. Right. 
the health issue is a thing. Devin Booker will always torture you like night in and night out, but even he has struggled to stay on the court this year. Clippers, it's a health thing. Like Nuggets, they're kind of inconsistent this year, but they're still a good team. But the Kings, like, it's just the consistency thing, guys. Yeah. You show up for if they won the games that they were supposed to win this year in terms of not blowing leads, making free throws, and just doing the easy things, this team would have eight to nine more wins. And we'd be talking about the third or fourth seed in the West. Yeah. And that and, for yeah. me is super frustrating as a fan because you then would have a little bit of a cushion and you'd you'd be talking about having home court advantage versus not having home court advantage rather than play in versus playoff. Yeah. And that's just a completely different story. So solidifying yourself, getting giving yourself a chance to not talk about the play in anymore in this next four games this week, but ten games going forward. Huge, huge. I want to be ten and zero. Yeah. We won't be ten and zero, but I want to be ten and zero. <laughs> no, I agree. And and this is the and this is what I was stating earlier. Like even when we were losing, given the other team's schedules, I don't think that there's going to be anybody who, considering, like everyone in our range, and now the range has increased, right? So it's no longer five to eight; it's now five to ten. Like everyone in that range is catchable and gettable. Like if the Warriors and Lakers peel three straight wins, we're going to fall, or someone's going to fall. And then yeah. when you look at, so Dallas obviously lost to Boston, right? Their next few games, they got the Sixers, the Pacers, the Heat, the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Warriors, Thunder, Nuggets. Like, they have some winnable games, but they also have been inconsistent. So it's like no guaranteed wins there. When you go to Phoenix, they got, so they play the Rockets today. They got the Thunder tomorrow, so they got a back-to-back. Then they play the Nuggets, and they play the Raptors, and they play the Celtics, the Cavs, the Celtics again. So it's Jeez. like those are tough games. Then you yeah. go to the Pelicans. They got the – let me make sure. They got the Raptors. They got the 76ers. They got the Hawks. They got the Cavs, Clippers, Trailblazers, and Nets. So they have some easy ones in there, but they also have some tough games too. And then when you look at the Lakers, the Lakers have the Nuggets today, the Thunder on Monday. Then they got us, the Bucks, the Timberwolves, then us again, and then the Warriors. So that's a tough stretch for the Lakers. Then you got the Warriors who play the Celtics tomorrow, the Bucks, the Bulls, two easy games against the Spurs potentially. And then the Mavs, the Lakers, and Knicks. So it's like also semi-tough. So there's opportunities for every team. But there's also a, another opportunity to slide. So it's – I don't think there's anyone who's really going to separate themselves unless they win four or five straight. And yeah. I also just don't see that happening given the way all of these teams have played, us included. And that's that's tough. If we can walk out of this three and one because I'm nervous on uh, – what game was I most nervous for? I'm nervous for the Houston game just because we haven't beaten them on Sunday. But mm-hmm. there's no there's no back uh, the back to back potentially with San Antonio. We could come out flat um, on Thursday night. So who knows? It's we need to win. Especially the game that matters the most in this scenario is the Laker game because they are the ones who are closest to us and they are the ones that could impact our standing the most. Should we lose to them? We do. We have beaten them already twice a season. So we still own the tiebreaker, but we play them again the following week. So it's. They could very well creep up the standings and steal our spot. I just, I'm nervous about us because it sounds easier said than done, but we've just been inconsistent. And these things are that are plaguing us 
have been plaguing us all year, and there's no sign that they're changing. And the the win without Fox was huge. Like that was pro- arguably the win that kind of saved us from yeah falling even further. Um, and it allowed with the some of the teams like the Pelicans and the Suns losing, it's allowed our ceiling to it hasn't raised yet. So it's still at a reachable one win, one game, one and a half games out type of level. So we can hang in there, and I'm not too nervous about that it's just when is fox coming back if i'm glad we have the weekend off hopefully he's back on monday um but the bulls are a team we could beat without him as much as i'd like him there he does really well against the bulls consistently so it's it depends it really does depend i'm not sure how to feel but i know that all these other teams around us are in a tough spot too so our the goal is still the same avoid the play-in and take whatever first round matchup you get because Honestly, I'm not – I don't care anymore at this point. Like, I'm not afraid as a fan. I just want to see who we're going to get, and at that point, just go from there. Um, we've beaten every team above us at this point, except for New Orleans, um, and we will get one more chance with them later. But we've beaten every other team that's above us, and we've beaten every team that's below us in the standings, like in the top ten at least. And so I'm not afraid of anybody at this point. I, I just kind of want to see what we got, and we can assess it from there. Yeah. The word I was looking for earlier was momentum. So oh, okay, yeah. let me let me build some momentum off of this word for a second. So we talk about the inconsistency. This is a great stretch to win a bunch of games, build momentum. With momentum comes confidence. And with confidence will come consistency. And that's something that I think if you if you really want to turn your season on a completely different note flip it upside down in a good way, in a positive way. This is the stretch to do that. So let's, I just, I don't want to be talking in two weeks from now about how we went two and eight, you know, like I, I want to be talking <laughs> uh, about going eight and two, yeah. going, going 10 and zero, at least having, getting some wins that we should really be stacking. Agreed. Stacking wins is huge. And it does feel like now a one game at a time scenario. Like we need, yes, we are, we're again, we're so close to ascending and we're also so close to falling and listen in a play in scenario, it is what it is. And you just hope for the best and then you go from there. But, you know, I just, I want to avoid that at all costs and we'll find out more like as the season progresses, as the, as the stretch run comes to a close. But I, I just wonder now I'm nervous again for how healthy really is Fox. Were they just taking it easy this week because they can, because this is the last chance that he has to really rest if they need him to before just kind of pushing through whatever other injuries he may have. I'm yeah. I just, you know, it's nervy. It, it's, it's a little bit nerve unnerving to me. Like I'm a little nervous, but you know, we'll see. It starts again on Monday. This new week starts on Monday and we just got to go stack some wins. So. Yeah. And I, you know, regarding the Fox injury, I'm speculating that this is the last chance that, you have to rest anybody who is banged up because we talk about being in the last 20 games and, and how crucial it is. Cause you haven't given yourself a cushion, yada, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> this was the last chance to really like give your guy a chance to get over what is bugging him. And yeah. we saw, I saw him live time smash his knee and I was like, ah, like that, that could be a thing going forward. I was, you texted me, on what was that Wednesday when he was 
when it was the first game he was questionable for. Mm-hmm. And you asked about scenario wise, like, would you rather rest him? Would you rather, you know, play him? And I told him like, if, if he's feeling, if he feels like I get, what did I say? It was if he's 20% or less likely to injure, re-injure it or aggravate it more, play him. But if there's any chance, you know, over 20%, don't even risk it. Because yeah. at this point, that as inconsistent as Fox has been at times, he's still arguably the best player on the team. And it's it's an any given night kind of thing from a consistency standpoint. Domas has been the best player all season long. But Foxy is the bucket of this team. He's the mm-hmm. guy who's going to go and get you 40, you know, on majority of nights. Yeah. Like, especially on a stretch run and especially games that have a lot more weight to them. That's the guy you lean on because yeah. he's proven in those games. He brings it. He's ready to go. He's going to prove he's the best player on the court, not just on his team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, giving giving Fox that little bit of rest, I think I speculate it's not as serious as um, as it could seem. I think it's just this is the last chance to really get Fox as healthy as he can be before this final stretch when we need him for every single game and we need his best. Agreed. Okay. Well, then we're going to, you know, we're going to hope for the best and we'll probably be back next. We'll probably record next Friday after kind of the week goes through and then we'll follow up and just kind of hope that we're talking about us being in sixth place or fifth place and how we can build from there. But any final thoughts on this team before we go? Nah, man, let's just go. Let's do this. Let's make this run right now. It starts here. Exactly. Starts on Monday. We're going to kick it. Hopefully we can light the beam all week long and we'll, we'll be in a good spot. So with that being said, this was episode 31 of the Behind the Back podcast. You can hit us up at BehindTheBackPod13 at gmail.com. Hit us up on any of our social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, Facebook. And you can find us on YouTube. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, and rate the show on any of the audio platforms. Leave any comments or reviews as well. We would really appreciate it. And let us know who you guys think are your favorites for the stretch run, who you'd like to match up with any of that fun stuff so we can jive with you guys. But I'm Marcos Conan Grown, and beside me here, as always, is Benny the Jet Reds. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Let's go light the beam. Light the beam, baby. Peace. Peace.